Welcome, everyone, to Drunk Bible Study Bonus Edition, where we are talking about Jeremiah 28 through 30. Wow. <laughs> I mean, everyone's in Babylon. I mean, wow. Everyone's <laughs> in Babylon, right? And Jeremiah is kind of like oscillating between worlds. He's just sort of, he left the building in what you said was an entire paragraph unto itself in uh Eugene's oh right when Hananiah story was, <laughs> Hananiah broke his yoke he was just like I'm out I'm leaving yeah I'm out peace bye <laughs> yeah um so in the chapter that I read which was 29 they were talking about the king of Babylon roasting two false prophets on I, not on a spit. Oh, yeah. I was going to say on a spit, right. but it's not really on a spit. Could have been on a spit. We don't Maybe. know. Maybe. Yeah, it doesn't really say. And and the things that I looked up didn't say that that was the case or not. But essentially, they were cast into the fire so that Ahab and Zedekiah, who were two prophets, but who were false prophets, they were cast into the fire. And the reasoning behind that was that they were false prophets. They were prophesying about God and about things that were going to happen to the peoples. Um, but it was false. And they also committed adultery and they did bad things. They were unfaithful. Uh, and God was a witness to all of that. And he held them to account, essentially. So that was a bad thing that they did. Also, I found... Interesting. <laughs> yeah, I found this thing on desiringgod.org. Oh, boy. Good. Yikes. It's a good URL. Yeah. Yeah, Desiring God. Um, and the article is, Why Was Zedekiah Roasted in the Fire? And essentially, yeah, the, what I found from this, it was a pretty, like, downbeat, like, unhappy um, article, but essentially saying that, like, physical horrors respond to or, or correspond rather to spiritual horrors and that God knows that we do not feel horrible about the spiritual horror of our sin. What? Okay. But that that is why physical horrors are out there um, and happen if you do bad things like hell. Okay. Wow, Emily. Yeah. So that's interesting. Really, you find some... You find some you good You do stuff. find like the most interesting Christian blogs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. He's he's like correlating the two in order to make plain to us how horrible sin is. Belittling God feels like a light thing to us. Being burned feels huge. <laughs> I'm like, okay, yeah, okay, I, mean, I, guess. I guess. Yeah. Like, sure. Weird. Yeah, so essentially it's just it's kind of uh, I don't know, a, 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 not a metaphor. It's it's just, it's not even a metaphor like it happened, I guess. Like, yes, the Babylonian king cast these people into the fire and it's essentially, you know, a thing for all of you out there to look at and know, don't do these things. Don't do these adulterous, bad, profiteering, bad things or else you too will be fire boys and girls. <laughs> So it just sounds like a kind of a Christian apologetic justification yeah, for, for why sure. such horrible, violent things might happen yeah. in the Bible. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, totally. So that sounds like Good. to me. Same old, same old. But these two people did die. Yeah. These two people were definitely burned alive and it was pretty awful. So. Right. Here's the thing yeah. I wonder though is that Jeremiah is like, because they're false prophets, right? But then it also mentions that they were adulterers. I'm like, was that yeah. actually maybe why they were burned? And it just is conveniently that, worked out. 
Yeah, what is that? Lust is like a seven deadly sin. Is that even a thing? Is the that's seven deadly a, sin? It's not a thing yet. Okay, it's, it's not, not a thing. It's not a thing. No, yeah, it's not a thing in the Bible, really. Oh. Yeah, I think that is a thing Catholics came up with. Oh, fun! After after all this, fun. <laughs> or maybe it's part of the of the apocrypha that's in the Catholic Bible, um, but not the Protestant and Jewish Bibles. I'm not quite sure, actually. Yeah, no, it's 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 no, it, it's not from the Bible. This is an early Catholic Church. Kind of okay. thing. Cool, cool. Well, yeah. This also says that it basically justifies hell as well. It's like hell will be physical, not just spiritual. So even though the greatest outrages are not physical. Yes, but you're yeah. reading that. Yeah, yeah. But you're, you're, yeah. Okay. I mean, I, I sort of, honestly, Emily, I'm sorry. I tune out a little bit every time you read one of those sites, just because I'm like, <laughs> I've heard these sorts of like, somewhat non nonsensical arguments <laughs> well, so many times that I just kind of tuned them out. Well, I have Maybe Emily has a good point that some of the show is not just about teaching Emily about the Bible, but some of it has been about teaching Emily about Christian culture. Yeah, oh, for sure. And yeah. Right. So, yeah, the interpretations and the... Yeah, as gross right. as it is for me and Jace to hear because we're just like, oh, yeah, I got it. Um, yeah. I guess it is new to Emily. Yeah, yeah, that is a good, a good thing to keep in mind. You're right. Yeah, it's interesting. So anyways, those guys were super roasted. Yeah. <laughs> Gosh. <laughs> roasted boys. Great. Yeah. Good. That's good. <laughs> um, so I'm talking about people coming back from the dead. We had oh. this line. Kind of the opposite. In, yeah, Jeremiah 30, verse 9. Instead, they will serve the Lord their God and David their king, whom I will raise up for them. And... The question came up of like, like literally, David back from the dead, come back to her. Could mm-hmm. it be? Yeah, amazing. And I do think that would be amazing. It, it is a little bit hard to get to the bottom of this. I went to our favorite hermeneutics stock exchange. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I spent some time there today too. You know, someone was posting about like it seems pretty clear the way that this is listed that it's David, not the line of David, not mm. the family of David, not a descendant of David. It's David. Like is. What do people think about that? Mm. And most people are like, no, it's pretty common in Hebrew to use the name of an ancestor to mean their lineage. And of course... I guess we've done that a lot with Jacob. We have. And of course, every other Christian blog on the internet is like, it's Jesus. That's what he means. It's Jesus. Oh, it's Jesus. It's Jesus. Wait, who's Jesus? Anytime we're referring to David or the lineage of David, it's it's pointing to Jesus. That's the typical evangelical Christian take. Of Jesse's line slash David's line, the crown. Yes. Got it. Okay. Okay. I see. Huh. Now, however, that did remind me of the story of Constantine Paleologos, that old chestnut. Oh, right. We all know and love. This Greek guy. Who? A Greek king, not just oh, a guy, okay. not just a random Greek, Greek guy. guy. King. Okay. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, I learned about this whole story when I was spending time in both Greece and Turkey mm-hmm. consecutively, not simultaneously. Like, Do you have one? <laughs> like, how did you manage this? Okay. Yeah. No. So, so this is Constantine the twelfth, who was the the last Byzantine emperor. Okay. Oh. The very last one. Wow. Yeah, so we're talking about, uh, so he reigned from 1449 until the fall of Constantinople, not Istanbul, in 1453. And so that's where the whole story 
comes from. And I learned more about the story when I when I visited the Hagia Sophia in Istanbul, which by the way, oh, wow. if you ever have a chance to go in your lifetime, go. It's just like so amazing. Mm. There's also some very interesting ancient waterways close to there, which you know I love. You do love waterways, yes. You know you I like love. Those, you those like them waterways. Ancient waterways and ancient <laughs> water systems. Yeah. They're just all up in this area. Uh-huh, but sure. yeah, so basically, long story short, the Ottomans were like, we're taking Constantinople, not Istanbul. We're going to take it. It's going to be ours. And okay. Constantine Paleologos, he was the regent of the area at the time. And he was like, nah, you're not going to do that. Um, I'm going to make a stand. And unfortunately, did not make a stand successfully. The Ottomans um. successfully captured uh, Constantinople and the Hagia Sophia. And arguably, they've kind of still been there to this day. Hmm. Uh, you know, because now we have modern day Turkey. But there was a legend that came about that basically... Oh, no, actually, he didn't die. He was rescued by some angels. Mm. And angels? Those angels turned him into a marble statue. And oh. then those angels took the marble statue and hid it in a secret cave underneath the gate of Constantinople. And basically, someday, he's going to wake up. Whoa. And he's going to take Constantinople back. Whoa. Cool. We don't know when that day may come, That's pretty... but that it's coming. Why has no one made like a super cool action movie out of this? I'll bet you somebody has. I'll bet you somewhere there has. And so supposedly the Turks did wall up the gate. And supposedly the story is that like they're like, just in case. Wow. <laughs> just in case. Inside yeah. there. <laughs> just in case. Let's just wall this up. Wow. Uh, just to cover our asses a little bit. Cool. But yeah, wow. supposedly someday he's going to come bursting out. And also an interesting line that I read in the Wikipedia is that according to the legend, his resurrection is going to be heralded by the bellowing of a great ox. <laughs> so be on the lookout for that. If you're in Istanbul, not Constantinople, and you hear a great ox, be yeah. on the lookout because... Constantine the Twelfth is going to come bursting out any second now and take that city back. Yeah, put on whatever like Greek-looking things you have and kind of try to be one of his people. <laughs> right, because... Try to blend in. You say <laughs> Constantine. I keep thinking of Keanu Reeves. So, it's... oh, please don't. Okay. I love thinking about Keanu Reeves. What is your problem? No, I mean, right now? yeah. What's wrong with Keanu no, Reeves? Sorry, I'm so sorry. I spoke a little too soon. Think about Keanu Reeves as much as you like. No one here is going to stop you from thinking about Keanu Reeves. Just don't think about that terrible movie <laughs> okay. called Constantine. Oh, I actually never saw it. Me neither. Oh, I just well, like no. Oh, really? Yeah, I just like know <laughs> of him. But apparently, Dedeker's seen it in anyway. It. Just awkward. Maybe we'll do a movie night. Have we put him in this movie, in this thing yet? Keanu. Yeah, I'm pretty sure we have. Hold on a second. I'm sure he's on our list. I don't know yeah. if we've actually. Yeah, we cast him as Abner, Lil Abner. Yeah. Yes. Lil Abner. Lil, Lil Abner. Oh, okay, Keanu. Wow. <laughs> Okay, that's what I got. Okay. okay. Yep. Gosh. Cool. Okay, so I spent some time looking up the Babylonian captivity. This whole 70 years thing, right? That keeps getting reiterated. It's not going to be two. It'll be 70. It's going to be 70. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And so here's kind of what I found. So the the kind of um, thing that started all of this is that King Nebuchadnezzar started being you know, a badass, and that he demanded tribute of all of these kingdoms nearby, and Jehoiakim 
wouldn't pay it. And we we did read this a little while ago where Jehoiakim refused to pay tribute to Nebuchadnezzar. He like, I forget what it was in the Bible story that we read, but it was kind of him kind of giving a little jibby jab back and being like, no way, man, you're not cool. No way. Okay. And so then they sieged Jerusalem again and, and Jehoiakim died in that. And then his son, Jeconia, became the king. But then still, like, they, they ended up at war and stuff and eventually ended up confiscating a bunch of people and taking them all to, to Babylon. Now, what was interesting to me was not this, the research I found on the biblical accounts, but about the non-biblical accounts. That's mm-hmm. kind of what I was looking for. Of like, Because remember, we've talked about the exile or like the escape from Egypt is one of those things that's very contested because there's no other historical evidence to back it up. Oh. It's, it's very much this like, no one else corroborates this story except for the Hebrew Bible. With the, with the escape from Egypt, specifically. Hmm. But in this case, there actually is a lot of other evidence here about the, them being captured and taken to Babylon. And specifically, one of these I thought was interesting was that there are tablets that have been discovered that are spelling out like the amounts of rations that are supposed to be given to King Jeconia from Judah and his five royal princes. Whoa. Hmm. Um, Fascinating. And they they refer to them by different names. They call him Yaukinu, king of the land of Yahudu. Like Yahudu, Uh, like Yehoda, like Jerusalem. Right? Uh It's all kind of their... The Babylonization uh-huh. of their names. Babylonization, cool. Yeah. Um, and then also there's archaeological evidence of the fact that the Babylonian forces just messed some stuff up in Judah when they were there, you know, destroying settlements, things like that. And you can, you know, there's like uh, clay scraps and stuff that have writing and stuff that confirms this. And so it's very much like, yes, around 580 seven-ish BCE, kind of in that range, kind of the range that we're talking about right now in Jeremiah, there's evidence that like, yes, yes, Judah was absolutely attacked. Jerusalem specifically was destroyed as a city. No one lived there anymore, which is a little bit confusing about how Jeremiah sent a letter from there, Mm -hmm. but maybe it just meant nearby. He was in the neighborhood. Um, Not all of Judah was destroyed. Not all of Judah was destroyed, but Jerusalem, the city itself, was destroyed and laid in ruins for 150 years. Wow. And that that's been like fairly well corroborated as far as I can tell here. What's interesting is that um, they also estimated with a high degree of confidence that the population of Judah before being attacked by Babylon was around 75,000 people. Hmm. And that the number of people that have were taken to Babylon varies, mm-hmm. but the highest numbers of what that estimate was is 20,000. Okay. So this means that likely only like a quarter or so of, of, the, all the, of the population of Judah was taken to Babylon and the rest stayed in Judah. Interesting. Wow. And just or other cities. And there's, you know, uh, archaeological evidence of other cities and things like that. So now the 70 years bit that around-ish 70 years later, is when Cyrus the Great does start taking over. And when he took over, like we talked about, this was a few months ago now, but when he took over, he allowed the peoples that he took over to kind of go back to their homelands and reestablish their cults uh, as they were 
considered, hmm. uh, right? Of like to practice their own religions and, and things like that. That that was kind of what made Cyrus so great. <laughs> Cyrus the Great. Um, what's interesting though is that uh, scholars do point out the fact that these texts about kind of repatriating people back to their lands actually doesn't mention oh. Judah or Jerusalem at all. But but that is in keeping with what he did. So there's probably a decent chance that that they were also part of that. But that this move back didn't happen all at once and instead was over many years of these people sort of gradually hmm. ending up back there. Hmm. So I thought that was kind of interesting. And that a lot of the Jews in other parts of the world, like in uh, like Arabia and stuff like that, kind of came from being taken to Babylon first and then exiling out of Babylon to other places in the world. Hmm. So that's kind of where some of these other groups of Jews around the world who have now, a lot of them have converged back in Israel right. um, in, in modern day, like their, right. their lineages or whatever. Wow. Yeah. Cool. And then the one other thing I found, there was a mention of some stories that mention, like that take place during the Babylonian exile that are, quote, mm. non-biblical. Mm-hmm. And a few of these are, according to some people from the Bible, and that that's because they're part right. of the Apocrypha. Huh. And one of these that I thought was fun is the story of Susanna. Oh, oh Susanna, oh, don't you cry for me. And uh, she's included in the Catholic Bible as well as the Eastern Orthodox Church. Oh, cool. Um, but Protestants consider it apocryphal and is, she's not included in the Jewish Tanakh. But she's supposed to be part of the Book of Daniel, which we haven't gotten to yet, um, but she's not in it. So. so she's an Old Testament lady. She's an Old Testament lady. Okay. And supposedly her story takes place during this time. So that's kind of why she's a little bit relevant. But I just thought it was an interesting Mm. story because it's so different from a lot of the other stories we've gotten. Yeah. So here's the story. She's a Hebrew wife named Susanna. And there's these two elders who both were separately spying on her bathing in her Mm, yard or whatever. And they're both lusting after her and they bump into each other and like, oh, you were... (laughs) You were, you were looking at her? You were looking at her? Yeah, exactly, exactly. So okay. the two of them make their way to her house and accost her demanding to have sex with her. And she refuses. And so they have her arrested, claiming that the reason she was out there naked in the yard is because she was having oh, sex with gosh, some young man classic. who was not her husband. Mm. But Susanna refuses to be blackmailed. And instead it's like, no, it wasn't me. I'm not going to admit to anything. You guys are jerks. And she's about to be put to death when our hero, Daniel, mm. who we will meet much more later on, much more later, interrupts the proceedings and is like, hang on a minute. Before we put this woman to death, what if we separated these two men mm. and had them both give mm-hmm. their accounts yeah. of the story? Classic. Which is yes. like classic, right? Like classic. Prophet uh, You know, put the, the yes. two... The two criminals in a different room and see if their stories line up. Hmm. And when they described the tree that she met her young lover under, they both described different Mm, trees. Yeah, yeah. And apparently in the Greek that this is written down in, because there's no Hebrew records of this story. It's only in Greek translations later on, which is part of why it's considered apocrypha by some. Hmm. um, That... uh, Apparently, there's some kind of like puns involved in the names of the trees, but that he kind of sets them up being like one tree is like a very big tree. And he's like, oh, yeah, you'll just chop that down. 
or I'm sorry, is a small tree. He's like, oh, you'll chop that down, right? And then the other one's like a big tree. He's like, oh, yeah, you're going to have to saw that because it's such a big tree. Mm. And then he kind of uses that to point out the fact that their story was false because these were such different things. And the two men were put to death and wow. the woman was set free. Good for her. So, good. It was like a happy ending for once. You know what? Good. Yeah, seriously. For freaking yeah. once. Goodness. That's encouraging. So I just wanted to leave you all with that. Yeah. Appreciate it. Thank you. Wow. Thank you. Wow. Well, as always, we're learning things here on Drunk Bible Study. We hope that you are learning a little bit of something as well, because, uh, yeah, this Bible is pretty challenging at times, especially in the midst of reading it to like fully comprehend. I think even for the two of you, you're like, wait a minute, what? (laughs) What does that mean? What is that saying? So. So yeah, it's good to go back and and have these moments of being able to look stuff up and we hope you enjoy them. So we will see you next week. We can't wait to continue with Jeremiah.